What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Instant Replay Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dominic Sharosky, and it is Super Bowl Friday. The Super Bowl is right around the corner. We are two days away. I promised you all that I would give you all my picks, and we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the Super Bowl. A little bit of other interesting news happening in the NFL, too. We're going to touch on that, talk a little bit of NBA and uh, cuss out the league for trying to do this all-star game in Atlanta. But first things first, up on for today's show, which is something that we don't normally start the show off with, <laughs> um, but this is pretty big news, and it it got me to ask this question. So we're going to start the show off with some baseball. I know, again, something we very rarely do here, but really big news just came across. Um, for those of you who don't know, Trevor Bauer is an incredible pitcher, uh, played for the Cincinnati Reds last year, and was the 2020 uh, Cy Young winner. Phenomenal, phenomenal player. Um, and he was a free agent this year. He declined uh, the matching offer that the Cincinnati Reds offered him, it was like an $18.5 million deal or something like that for a one-year deal or something like that. But uh, everything kind of came out, and Trevor was just kind of taking it slow, you know. And sure enough, Trevor Bauer has decided he's going to take his talents to Los Angeles and join the defending champs for in uh, with the Los Angeles Dodgers. And it's a three-year deal with a team option to uh, get out of the deal, I believe, in year one, year two. But um, all in all, man, you just it, it begs the question now, can we start maybe when you look at this Dodgers roster and you look at the amount of success that they've been having the last couple years, you know, obviously winning the World Series last year, even in a COVID-shortened se- uh, season, is it too early to start talking dynasty in Los Angeles? I don't think so. I think you look at the amount of talent that is there. You look at a team that is immensely rich and is not, the, you know, kind of similar to, they kind of, not to the same degree, but like similar to what the Yankees were kind of known for, right? They will make the trades for the big players. They will spend exorbited amounts of money to get the best players and basically just buy a ring. That's what the Yankees did for a very long time. The Yankees just basically was like, hey, why even leave this up to chance? We're just going to pay all of the best players to come and play for the Yankees, play for the pinstripes, and we're just going to buy a ring. Um, That's what the Yankees did for a very long time. The Dodgers, not to the same degree, but it kind of seems like they are taking that philosophy of, hey, listen, we're going to swing for the fences here. So we're going to trade for Mookie Betts. We're going to go out and we're going to get Trevor Bauer in uh, the offseason. And we are you know, going to have Clayton Kershaw and things like that. Like, So you look at what the Dodgers have, and the most important thing in baseball is having a dominant pitching rotation. So you, you have some really good pitchers over there with the Dodgers. Um I don't think it's too early to start thinking. Well, now, granted, they still have to play this season. Uh, but if they come out, they play well. And if, you know, they probably, when you look at their roster, all signs point to them winning again this year. 
Um, they win it again this year. I think you can maybe start looking at Los Angeles and start thinking that the Dodgers are in that conversation for a dynasty. Um, there's just so much talent on this team. There's so much talent on this team. It's scary. Um, they are going to be every 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 night that they take the field. They are going to be the more talented and will be assumed to be the better team every night that they are out uh, out there on the diamond. So. Big news there for baseball. Trevor Bauer is going to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, if you're a betting individual, go ahead and put some money on them because they will probably be there at the end of the season. Um, speaking of sports betting, and this is actually off on a tangent, Georgia, why are we holding this up? Like, come on. Why Why is sports betting not legal everywhere? I don't get it. It's very annoying. Um you know, like, I want to do the FanDuel stuff and DraftKings. Like, FanDuel really is the one that I feel like everyone kind of talks about. This is not an ad, but FanDuel, it could be, you know. So send me something. We'll 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 hash out the price. But um, I just don't understand, like, with everything that goes on in Georgia, especially with Georgia being a huge sports town, like, you know, people get up for the Falcons mainly when they're like it's a fair weather town but people get up for the falcons you know people get up for the the hawks people get up for the georgia bulldogs you have um the braves kind of you have atlanta united which has quickly become one of the better franchises in the mls as well as has a really large growing fan base so there's so much money that could be made and then you could use that money to go and fund like the hope scholarship and all this other stuff. Like there's so many things that you could do with that money. If Georgia would allow, uh, online sports betting here, but they don't, um, hopefully that will change soon, 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 sooner rather than later. Um, but we shall see, but Trevor Byer heading to the Dodgers and the Dodgers look like they are poised to run it back. So, congrats to them. Um, now let's talk about some sports that the majority of people in America care about. It's the Super Bowl. It is the Super Bowl. The mecca of sports championships. This is the highlight of the year, every year, for all sports. The Super Bowl is the event. And boy, do we have a great matchup this year. This might be the most intriguing matchup between two teams, two quarterbacks, two coaches. I mean, everything about this game, everything about this game is going to be phenomenal. You look at what Bruce Arians and... You know, that coaching staff and Tom Brady have been able to do in one year in Tampa Bay. This is a team that was, I believe, what, seven and nine last year. And they won about 12 games this year. Now they're in the Super Bowl, you know, hosting a Super Bowl game. You know, no team has ever hosted um, or made it to the Super Bowl the same year that their city would be hosting the Super Bowl. The Tampa Bay Bucks will be the first team to do that. They also, with that, will be, will have a chance to be the first team to ever win a Super Bowl in their home city. Um, and you just have every, like this, there's so many narratives, but the big narrative obviously is Mahomes versus Brady. It's Mahomes versus Brady. It's the goat 
the wily veteran, the old man, the sheriff. Well, I, 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 you know what? Let me take that back. I shouldn't call him the sheriff. That is Peyton Manning's nickname. My apologies, Peyton. Um, but Tom, the GOAT, Tom Brady, who is going to be playing in his 10th Super Bowl, which just sounds ridiculous. I mean, think about that. Like, he's played almost... He's played almost a a regular season's worth of Super Bowl games, like 10 Super Bowl games, 10 Super Bowls. It's unfathomable. And everything that you look at Brady, like, and here's the thing, right? You look at everything that Brady has done, 10 Super Bowl appearances. If he wins this one, it will be his seventh ring, which would mean that Tom Brady would have more rings, would have more Super Bowl rings than any other franchise not not player any other nfl franchise the steelers have six the what the steelers have six the 49ers have six i believe i think dallas has six or maybe they have five but the patriots and tom have six but guess what those six all came because of tom the patriots hadn't won a super bowl before tom got there hadn't won a super bowl before you know Belichick and and Brady came together and and created the greatest dynasty uh, that the NFL had ever seen and one of the greatest dynasties we've ever seen in sports history. Um, And if he wins this one, a seventh Super Bowl ring. I mean, at this point, Brady has Brady is just stacking the cards in his deck at this point. Like everything now at this point is just icing on top of the cake. This cake has been baked and baked 12 times over, right? Like, his resume, like, you could break Tom Brady's career up into halves. Like, you could take the first 10 years of Brady's career and the last 10 years of Brady's career, and each of those 10-year spans would be Hall of Fame. Like, he, like, would be Hall of Fame careers. Like, he's had two Hall of Fame careers, if we really want to be honest with it, like, just from longevity and everything that Brady has done. And... Before we would all sit back and, you know, we would, we would, we, we all would say, you know, what Brady has achieved 10 Super Bowl appearances, possibly seven Super Bowl championships if he wins on this Sunday. Name is all over the history books and the record books for any, for the majority of the major um, statistical categories for a quarterback. And we would sit back and we would say, there's no, like before it was, there's no way anyone's going to catch Brady. Like there's no way no one's going to catch Brady. And then there was Pat. And then there was a young man by the name of Mahomes. I spoke about Patrick Mahomes on the No Huddle Necessary show that I do with Nuts and Bolt Sports, my colleagues. Uh, shout out to Jeff Barnes. He's the host of the show. Um, great show. Really fun time. We do it. Uh, gets done every Wednesday at 9 o'clock Eastern time. Um, but towards the end of the show, you know, we were kind of poised the question of really like, where does Patrick Mahomes rank as far as the greatest quarterbacks of all time right now? In his fourth year. And I said, if Patrick Mahomes wins this Sunday, he could retire on Sunday. He could win win the Super Bowl on Sunday and retire Monday. 
if he were to do that, right? Like that's not going to happen, but I, I was throwing this hypothetically out there to make my point. And I said, if he wins Sunday and retires Monday, he will go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And he better be a first ballot hall of famer. I understand it's only really four years in the NFL, really only three as a starter. But you look at the resume that Patrick Mahomes has had, and I don't think I've ever seen anyone in any sport have the unprecedented amount of success that Mahomes has had to start his career. This is the most impressive start to a career we've ever seen. Whether team, individual, it doesn't matter. Whether it's a team sport, individual sport, international sport, American, like it doesn't matter. This is the greatest start to a career we have ever seen. And not only that, it's one of the greatest three-year runs we've ever seen from an individual player. Patrick Mahomes. I mean, let's just look at Patrick Mahomes' career thus far. The Chiefs trade up to draft him, and they basically redshirt him his entire rookie year. Except for the last game of the regular season, where he goes out, I believe, had a pretty good game, you know, uh, did throw one interception, I believe also threw one touchdown. But off of the strength of what they had seen all season, but off of the strength of what he did in one game, the Kansas City Chiefs felt so good about Patrick Mahomes that they shipped Alex Smith out to Washington. They saw Patrick Mahomes play once and said, hey, Mr. Smith, we appreciate everything that you've done here in Kansas City. We thank you for your services, but it's time for you to hit the road. That's how good Patrick Mahomes was. They saw him play one game and said, yes, it's time. Thank you, Alex Smith. It's been nice. Thanks for the memories. And I said, to quote one of my favorite, favorite boy bands, Fallout Boy, Thanks for the memories, but it's time. It is time. And boy, were they right. And everyone talks, you know, some people will try and maybe not necessarily throw dirt on Patrick Mahomes' name, but some people, you know, sit there and be like, hey, you know, well, he's got Tyreek Hill. He's got Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy calling plays, and he's got you know Tyreek Hill, he's got Sammy Watkins, he's got Travis Kelsey. You know they they went out and got him Clyde Edwards-Helaire, and 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 they got Miko Hardman and all this other stuff. And my retort to that is okay. Why didn't Alex Smith win a Super Bowl in Kansas City? Alex Smith didn't throw for fifty touchdowns in this uh, offense. The same weapons were there. In fact, when Alex Smith was there, they still had Kareem Hunt. Exactly. Patrick Mahomes is the key. And you look at what he's done thus far in his his career, right? Had it and I want to point something out to you all. Patrick Mahomes, I believe, has a current record, has a current postseason record of like it's either seven and one or eight and one. He's only lost one playoff game in his career. That was in the AFC Conference Championship game, his second year in the league, which was his first year as a starter. That le- that year, by the way, was the year he threw for fifty pat, where he threw fifty touchdowns and was the league MVP. Who did he lose to? He lost to 
New England Patriots and Tom Brady, which is one of the things that also makes this weekend spicy, but we're going to get into that a little bit later. But something that I feel like needs to be pointed out in that game. Yes, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs did lose to the Patriots in that game. However, the only reason the Chiefs lost that game, it wasn't because Mahomes was outplayed. It wasn't because the moment was too big. It was because his defense couldn't make a stop in overtime and get him the ball back. That game was close, and Tom Brady did exactly what Tom Brady does, did a phenomenal job, and the Chiefs had the ball down three with about 31 seconds left, and they had to drive about 50 yards. And Patrick Mahomes did it in like two plays. Boom, boom. I mean, just darts. Absolute darts. Gets them into field goal range. They kick the field goal. It's tied up. The Patriots win the coin toss in overtime. They elect to receive the ball, and the Chiefs defense couldn't make a stop. The Patriots score a touchdown on the very first drive of overtime, and the game is over. That is how Patrick Mahomes lost his only playoff game. You can, I mean, I I don't, yes, it's, I understand I'm engaging in a what if here, but sometimes there are legit what ifs, and then sometimes there are, this isn't a what if, this is exactly what would have happened had things went a little differently, right? Like some people play the what if game and it's like, oh, maybe this happens. No, I'm going to tell you right now, if the Chiefs get the ball first in that overtime, or if the defense holds the Patriots to three points, if the defense just gives Patrick Mahomes an opportunity to get back on the field in that overtime game, the Chiefs would have won that game, and they also would have went on to go on and beat the Rams in the Super Bowl that year, because we all know Jared Goff isn't worth a damn as a quarterback. I mean, well, that's a little, that's a little much. He's a, he's an okay quarterback, right? But Jared Goff wasn't going to beat Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. Hell, they had played earlier that year, and guess what? The Rams lost. So, Patrick Mahomes is so special, right? Like, that's that's really what it comes down to. That's his only playoff loss. Every other game that he's played in the postseason, he's won. And to make things even more impressive, what he's doing in these playoffs, I mean, is unprecedented. You look at... So, excluding the, excluding the, the drives that Patrick Mahomes didn't play because he was injured or drives that ended in a kneel down because the the Chiefs had already won the game and they were just kneeling the ball out to run the clock out. Excluding those drives where, again, he didn't play or it was a drive where he was just kneeling down, the Chiefs have 16 drives with Patrick Mahomes that that were real drives, basically. 14 of those drives have ended in points. The majority of them being touchdowns. Only one of those drives. Sorry, we got Ben over here. He's shaking stuff up. <laughs> only one of those drives, though. Back to Patrick Mahomes. Only one of those drives of his 16 ended in a punt. The other one that didn't end in points was a missed field goal. Like, he's scored on 14 of the 16 drives that he's been in in the postseason so far. It's ridiculous. So, you just... 
it's so hard to beat Patrick Mahomes. You know, like, and that's the thing. Everyone keeps on talking about and going back to the show that we did with Nuts and Bolts Sports on No Huddle Necessary. Uh, one of my colleagues, Keith Richards, made a really, really, really great point. Um, and he was talking about how hard it is to beat Mahomes. And he talked about how everyone keeps on talking about how we know what the philosophy is to beat him. You know, play great defense, get after him, make him, you know, try and try and rattle him, keep him in the pocket. Uh, you want to try and, you know, obviously you want to get pressure on him. You also offensively, you need to score points, but you want to, you know, run game, keep him on the sideline, right? All of that stuff. Everyone knows the formula, but it doesn't work. And Keith, when he talked about it, he he talked about the uh, the show Hell's Kitchen with Gordon Ramsay and how in Gordon Ramsay's restaurant, the literal recipe, the ingredients and the recipe for Gordon, like there's a special soup or a special, special meal that Gordon Ramsay makes, right? It's like some lobster bisque or something like that, right? But the recipe for that meal is made right there, and it's in the restaurant for everyone to see. But every time someone tries to recreate it, it doesn't quite taste like Gordon's. You have the recipe. You know what you have to do. But guess what? It doesn't matter. You know what you need to do to beat Patrick. You know we got to score points. We got to be able to run the ball and keep that offense on the sideline. Our defense has to be able to get after him. Guess what? No one has really been able to do it. Think about some of the games that the Chiefs have lost. Think about how many games the Chiefs have lost. Think about not just postseason, right? Look at what Patrick Mahomes has done regular season, including the postseason. Patrick Mahomes, I don't even think Patrick Mahomes has experienced what? He has maybe six losses on his entire career as a starter. Six losses in three years, basically. That's including the postseason. He is ridiculous. I, I always said before that Aaron Rodgers was the most talented quarterback I had ever seen. That was until I saw Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is the most talented quarterback we are we have ever seen. And it's often it's often what ends up happening is the guys who are extremely talented, right? Sometimes don't always end up having the best careers, right? Like Joe Montana wasn't the most talented quarterback in the NFL. Hell, Dan Marino was easily way more talented than Joe Montana. Like, if you were to just go by the eyeball test and you were looking at what they did, I think tons of people would have taken Dan Marino over Joe Montana. Like, not knowing, like if you if I blocked your memory from knowing what they went on to do in their careers, and I just told you to look at them and evaluate them off of their talent and what you see them do on the field, everyone would have taken Dan Marino instead of Joe Montana, right? But the guy who's the most talented doesn't always win. Why? Because a lot of times when you're extremely talented, teams try and flake on getting more talent around you. They feel like they can compromise because we have such a super talented quarterback that we may not need to go out of our way to make sure that we have great pieces around him, right? Patrick Mahomes is in 
the liter- literally the most perfect situation possible. He has all of the talent and he has an organization that has blessed him with a plethora of weapons. And again, those weapons weren't doing those weren't doing the things they were doing when Alex Smith was there. So clearly Patrick Mahomes is different. Clearly it's something about Patrick that gets this offense and gets those guys going in a way that they didn't before. He's thrown for 50 passing touchdowns in a season. He's won an MVP. He's won a Super Bowl. He's won a Super Bowl MVP. He signed a half a billion dollar contract. Made it to three straight AFC Conference Championship games. And has a chance to win his second Super Bowl and his second Super Bowl MVP in year four. In year four. Back to back. We always talked about how no one would catch Brady. I don't know anymore. I look at what Patrick is doing. And I sit back and I say, why the hell can't he? He's young. And all of the pieces that Kansas City has around him are going to be there for quite some time. You've got a good another three or four years with the majority of the guys that make this team go. Tyreek Hill, I believe, is under contract. Travis Kelsey signed a contract. Defensively, like they've got good pieces there. Guys who were signed, you know, Frank Clark. Um, Chris Jones, Tyron Matthew is there. Like, now, granted, is it going to come back to bite them in the ass on the back end because they've kind of backloaded all of these guys' contracts? And, you know, they're in three or four years, we're going to see them really start to have some cap hits that are going to cripple this team? Probably. But if you win five Super Bowls in that span, who cares? And I don't see anyone right now in either conference, AFC or NFC, stopping them. And that brings me to my Super Bowl prediction. I have, and you all will know, because not too long ago, I had my friend Savion on the show, friend of the show. He's been on a couple times, and we were talking about this. And at first I said, you know, if the Bucks beat the Packers, which I believed they would, I said, I have the Bucks beating the Packers, and I believe... If the Bucks and the Chiefs play, I think I'm leaning Tampa Bay. And then I watched Kansas City absolutely dismantle Buffalo. And I've kind of had just the opportunity to sit down with my thoughts and really, really evaluate both teams. And I come down to this simple fact. There is isn't a single defense that can do a single thing to stop him. And that is Patrick. There's not a single defense in the NFL that can do a single damn thing to stop him. And because of that, I am picking the Chiefs. I am walking back my statement about the Bucks, and I am going with Kansas City. Tampa Bay is a great team. They have been playing phenomenally these last couple games, specifically in the playoffs. Defense has shown up big 
these last two weeks. Defense is, I mean, littered with talent defensively. Um, have a running game that's really getting it going with Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. Um, both of those guys are powerhouses uh, capable of, you know, Leonard Fournette is capable of trucking guys and running guys over for 60 yards. Ronald Jones, good speed on him. He can go and make things happen. Both of those guys are liable to rush for 100 yards a game um, at any given time. And then offensively, obviously, you have the GOAT and Tom Brady. You have Mike Evans. You have Chris Godwin. You have Gronkowski. You have Cameron Brait. Um, you have Antonio Brown. You have Scotty Miller. And you have a pretty good offensive line. The Bucks are a super team as well. Right? The difference, again, is Patrick Mahomes. If we're being completely honest, from top to bottom, the Bucks are probably just from an on paper, like on just looking at the roster and the talent on both sides of the ball, the Bucks are probably the better team. But the X factor and the difference maker is going to be Mahomes. For that, I take the Chiefs. I like the Chiefs to win this game. In a close one. Really close, really entertaining game. I have the Chiefs winning 33 to 29. 33 to 29, Kansas City. And Patrick Mahomes avenges his loss to Tom Brady, being that Tom Brady is the only individual to have beaten Patrick Mahomes in the postseason so far. Patrick Mahomes avenges his loss, and he stakes his claim, and begins his already incredible ascension into the pantheon of greatest quarterback and greatest football player of all time. That is my prediction. We are witnessing the beginning of the greatest football player to ever walk the face of the earth. And his name is Patrick Mahomes, and he will win. He and his team will win on Sunday, 33-29. Book it. Whew. That was a little dramatic, wasn't it? <laughs> a little dramatic there, but um, that's how I feel, man. I really do. I, I mulled over this for quite some time, and I really liked what Tampa Bay does. I really like what Tampa Bay has, but... At the end of the day, it just doesn't make a difference. Sometimes that other guy over there is just too damn good. You know, ask, ask, look at how many guys didn't win Super Bowl or look at how many guys didn't win trophies, didn't win NBA finals because of Jordan. You know, Charles Barkley, John Stockton, um, you know, obviously like the Detroit Pistons, you know, when they were, you know, when they were kind of battling and Jordan finally got his wingman and they just quickly realized we can't do nothing with him. Um, you had those great, you had really good Cleveland Cavaliers teams during those times. You had a good Atlanta Hawks squad. You had the Portland Trailblazers. Like you had all of these squads. Couldn't get over Mike. Couldn't get over the Bulls. You know why? Because Michael was just that good. Patrick isn't that. Patrick is that type of player. He's just that good. Where it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what moves you make. It's not going to be enough. 
quick, 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 quick uh, switch up before um, we digress away from uh, the Super Bowl and all that. Um, I do want to mention there's a little bit of noise. And I said we had a have a you know obviously we had the Matthew Stafford trade. Matthew Stafford will be a Los Angeles Ram. The Detroit Lions receiving Jared Goff, two first round picks and a third rounder. Um, so we already have two quarterbacks in in new places. Um, well, two starting quarterbacks in new in new places. Um, there's another domino that could be falling now. It's interesting because when you look at what Philadelphia did this year, it kind of felt like they were all in on Carson Wentz. Not kind of. It, it That was the case. They showed, hey, we're picking you over the head coach. That's exactly what happened. Carson Wentz was Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman, the owner and the general manager, respectively. Um, those two wanted Carson Wentz to be the starter. Doug Peterson wanted Jalen Hurts to be the starter. And that was the reason why Doug Peterson got fired. Um, wasn't because of what happened at the end of the season when the team basically just decided to not even try and win the game against Washington. Um, but Doug Peterson had a sit down with Jeffrey Lurie um, after the end of the season. And... They basically kind of just came to it came to a head and it was just kind of understood. It's like, well, Carson Wentz is going to be the starter. And if you don't like it, guess what? You can pack your bags and hit the road, Jack. And that's exactly what happened. Um, and then they go out after firing Doug Peterson. They go out and they hire Nick Sirianni to be the head coach for the Philadelphia Eagles, who Nick Sirianni is a guy who's kind of unproven. Um, first time head coach, probably in all honesty and no disrespect to him, doesn't really deserve the job, but he's exactly what Philadelphia wants. They want someone who isn't going to really cause a whole bunch of a stir. They want someone who's going to basically come in and kind of just be a yes man. And more importantly, they want someone who can possibly rebuild the relationship between Carson Wentz and this organization. Nick Sirianni coming from the quote-unquote Frank Reich um, head coaching tree. Frank Reich obviously was the offensive coordinator for a few years with Carson Wentz early in his career. He and Carson Wentz had a really great relationship. That's also when we kind of saw Carson Wentz really blossom into the mega quarterback that he looked like when he uh, received that huge contract that Philadelphia gave him. Uh, obviously, Frank Reich goes. He becomes the head coach of the Colts. Nick Sirianni was the offensive coordinator there, which kind of means he was just holding a clipboard because Frank Reich was the one that was calling plays in Indianapolis. Um, so they get Nick Sirianni in here, and uh, that whole move is is perfect because we get ourselves a yes man who isn't going to talk back or who isn't going to have his own ideas. He's going to follow our. He's going to follow what our motto is, and we can kind of control him the way we want to. Um, but also. Hopefully, some of that Frank Reich lore and glitter uh, shrugged and, and and fell onto Nick, and hopefully he and Carson can uh, build a relationship and make Carson want to stay. So with all of that being the case, it also, also, you had the standpoint that Carson Wentz very clearly, when he did ask for a trade earlier in the year, because that did happen, you know, Carson Wentz said, you know, the relationship between me and Doug Peterson is broken beyond all repair, and I want to be traded. Um, he asked for a trade, and 
or it was reported that he had asked for a trade and that he was very adamant that he wanted to go to a place where he would be the guy and he wouldn't have anyone really like breathing down his neck or, you know, challenging him for the job. He wanted to go into a situation where it's clear and cut. You are the starting quarterback. There's no quarterback competition here. There's not someone who's threatening your job. You can come in and be the guy and know that you are secure. So with all of that being the case, it kind of sounded and seemed like Jalen Hurts was going to be the one out. Um, just because if you're Philly, you're, your top priority right now should be getting a team around Carson Wentz because there's so many holes on this Philadelphia Eagles team. This team is extremely old. This team is paying some guys a lot of money. This team is devoid of talent and real weapons at both the running back and receiver position. Probably going to have to lose one of your, probably going to have to lose your, or not even probably, you are going to lose your best tight end in Zach Ertz this year. Granted, you have Dallas Goddard behind him who can probably come and take over that number one spot, but there's a lot to rebuild in Philadelphia. So you would think Jalen Hurts impressed a lot of people last year with the games that he started in. You could probably get third round pick back for him, maybe even a second round pick from a team that's desperate. There are a lot of teams that need quarterbacks, you know. I'm sure Chicago could would be in the conversation for that. I'm sure the Carolina Panthers would be in the conversation. Um all of those things, right? There are tons of things. Hell, the Indianapolis Colts probably would if, you know, if he's available. So there's a bunch of teams that would be looking for quarterbacks, you know, the new England Patriots, like the, the list just goes on and on. There are a lot of teams that are going to be looking for quarterbacks this year. Right. So I'm expecting Jalen hurts could be the one who, you know, maybe teams see, Hey, he was a young kid came into a team that didn't really have a whole bunch around him and played pretty damn well, uh, showed some poise and being in a really awkward situation with Carson Wentz there. Um, he came in there and showed he was able to block out the noise and showed he was able to play well. So I thought Jalen Hurts would be the one who was on the trading block. And now I do want to repeat this. This is not me saying that Carson Wentz is on the trading block, but it was reported earlier today that while the Philadelphia Eagles don't have the intention of trading Carson Wentz, they are picking up the phone if you are making a call. And that is interesting to me because if you made all of these moves to appease Carson Wentz, you fired Doug Peterson, obviously, because he and Carson Wentz didn't get along anymore. Um, you hire Nick Sirianni because obviously you couldn't re you couldn't get Frank Reich to come down here to Philly because Frank Reich has a great job in Indianapolis and he's not going to leave that, right? So you get someone who's as close to Frank Reich as you feel like you could possibly get, and that is Nick Sirianni because he's literally the guy right underneath him when he comes to running the offense. But if that's like if you've done all of this to appease Carson Wentz, why are you picking up the phone for teams that are calling and asking about him? Now, granted, you could make the argument that, hey, you always do your due diligence. As a general manager, you have to think of what's best for the team, and you always do your due diligence. So if someone comes in and offers you a ridiculous amount, or if someone comes in and blows you away with an offer that you just absolutely can't refuse, then okay, you kind of have to do it. But are teams really going to give that up for Carson Wentz right now? A guy who 
has had who has an injury history, a guy who quite honestly has not looked that great these last two seasons. Granted, I am also a firm believer that Carson Wentz has gotten a little bit of a bad rap as a quarterback. Um, I think Carson Wentz is still can still be a phenomenal quarterback. I actually think that a fresh scene and just a new setting would be the best thing for him. I actually would love for Carson Wentz to get traded and to go somewhere else. Hell, I think the Colts should definitely be making calls. Um, obviously, the Colts missed out on getting Matthew Stafford, which is where I thought Matthew Stafford would end up. Um, if I'm the Colts, I'm definitely making calls on Carson Wentz and seeing if we could get him up there, connect him with Frank Reich again. Um, and then get him some more weapons. I mean, if you look at what the, the Colts right now, man, the Colts are so, they are a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender. The Colts are loaded. They have great, they have a great defense, great defense. Guys like Darius Leonard, Malik Hooker, all those type of guys, right? Like they have a great defense and a great defensive coordinator in Matt Eberflus. Um, You go on the offensive side of the ball, they have two really good running backs in Naeem Hines and Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor absolutely torched it as a rookie last year. You have a good offensive line. Um, wide receiver, you can probably stand to pick up some weapons, right? So, like, you only have Michael Pittman Jr. right now. You do have some pretty good tight ends led by Jack Doyle, but you got Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, T.Y. Hilton is going to be a free agent this year, I believe, so maybe you are as a is set to become a free agent. Maybe you do re-sign him. But outside of the wide receiver uh, room that leaves a little bit to be desired, you look at this team and you just say, like, man, they are one quarterback away from really competing. I mean, I've, I've said this before. I felt like the Colts were the better team uh, that Sunday they played the Buffalo Bills or Saturday, whatever it was. might have been Saturday. Saturday. That Saturday where they played the Bills, or was it Sunday? Anywho, that game against the Bills in the wild card round, I felt like the Colts were the better team that day. They just shot themselves in the foot. They made a couple mistakes. Um, and I think uh, Frank Reich made a couple bad coaching decisions, but I felt like personally they outplayed the Bills for the majority of that game. So the Colts, man, I could definitely see the Colts making a trade for Carson Wentz. It makes a ton of sense, but it's just interesting that it's being reported that Philly after everything that has gone on and after everything that has happened and everything that looks like they were trying to appease him and make him happy for them to kind of be in these conversations or to be having these conversations has to be a little bit of a red flag for Carson Wentz. It's like, okay, what are we doing here? But we shall see. All I do know is that there is going to be so again, and I've said this before, there are going to be so many quarterbacks in different places next year. The league is going to look so weird. The league is going to look so weird yet next year. Like, where does Cam Newton end up? Jameis Winston is probably going to end up being the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints because I'm not one. I, like everyone's kind of like some people are kind of like holding off on like, is Drew Brees retiring? Drew Brees is done. Like he's he's retiring. He's done. Um. So, like, Jameis Winston is going to be the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. Um, what happens with Minnesota? Do they keep Kirk Cousins? Do they trade him? You know, Kyle Shanahan, I'm pretty sure, really, Kyle Shanahan loves Kirk Cousins. Would the 49ers possibly get Jimmy Garoppolo out of there? Hell, the New England Patriots, I'm sure, would love to have Jimmy Garoppolo back. That would make Bill Belichick super happy, seeing as how Bill Belichick wanted to trade Tom Brady away uh, so that the Jimmy Garoppolo era could start. So, would the 49ers trade 
Jimmy Garoppolo to the Patriots and then maybe make a trade for Kyle or for uh, Kirk Cousins. Or maybe does Kyle Shanahan want to run it back with Matt Ryan? Maybe the Falcons are looking to start whether they draft a quarterback again. You know, I'm pretty sure the Falcons will end up drafting a quarterback in the first round, whether that be Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. Hint, hint, it should be Justin Fields if they do. Um, maybe they're ready to move on from Matt Ryan. You obviously have Mitchell Trubisky. Don't know if he's going to get a starting job somewhere, but he's definitely going to be somewhere else because he's not coming back to Chicago. Like the Jacksonville Jaguars obviously are going to draft uh trevor lawrence deshaun watson where does he end up there's score like sam Darnold may not may not be a jet there's so much there's so much it's gonna be so, like this offseason man i'm super excited i am super excited for this offseason because i think this offseason is going to be wild and there's going to be movement like we have truly never seen before uh in the nfl um but all I know is it's Super Bowl Sunday in the next couple days, and I, for one, cannot wait. Cannot wait. Don't have any plans yet. Granted, it's COVID, so probably not going to be going to any huge parties or anything like that. But I'd like to have a little get together, so we'll see what I we'll see what I can scramble together. But um, before we get out of here, I do want to talk about the NBA very briefly, um, and this is actually. Another show that I did earlier this week with a couple of my Nuts and Bolts Sports um, colleagues. Shout out to Jordan, uh, Raj, Henry, uh, Eddie. You guys are all great. Um, But Raj, Henry, and Jordan host their own basketball podcast. Um, And one of the things that we ended up talking about at the end of the show was the All-Star Game. And as of right now, the NBA is trying to nail down a March 7th date. Uh, in Atlanta to be the day for the All-Star Game. And I want to be very clear and loud and on record when I say this. Hell no. There does not need to be an All-Star Game played this year. The NFL did completely fine with not having a real Pro Bowl. The NBA will be just okay without an All-Star Game. This is absolutely ridiculous. First things first, the players don't even want to do it. Okay, Multiple players, De'Aaron Fox, LeBron James, all have come out and said, you know, this is stupid. De'Aaron Fox said, can I be brutally honest? It's dumb as hell. LeBron James said, it's a slap in the face of all the players. The All-Star Game is not that important. Let's keep it a buck. Last year, yes, the All-Star Game was cool. You all changed the format and all that other stuff. It was really fun. It was cool. Spice things up. But at the end of the day, who gives a damn about the All-Star Game? Nobody. The only thing that we really care about during the All-Star Weekend, three-point contest, dunk contest. Those are the only two things that we really care about during All-Star Week. I like the skills challenges, so that's pretty fun to watch the guys do that. Sometimes the celebrity game is pretty fun. Sometimes the rising star game is cool. Some like, but for the most part, the All Star the All Star game and All Star weekend is just kind of like a nice little thing for the NBA to put on. But at the end of the day, no one really cares about it. What sense does it make to play this game? Out like, and granted, obviously you have the NBA who's worried about lining their pockets, so an All Star game, I'm sure, will give them some revenue. Um, and I'm sure they're, you know, with it being in Atlanta, I'm also pretty sure that Turner Sports is probably giving them a little bit of a push, like, hey, we could, we, we, you know, we can, we can do this down here. And, you know, 
because obviously, I've, and I've said this before, Atlanta has been wide open. There has not been a lockdown here in Georgia, okay? People have been going to hookah bars left and right. The strip clubs are open. Everything is open down here in Atlanta. So, I just, I just don't understand. Like, how can you talk about player safety? How can you talk about all these strict protocols and whatnot, but then ask the players to play in a meaningless game like the All-Star game? So let me get this straight. NBA, let me get this straight. I'm supposed to get tested every day. You all asked us to stay in a bubble for months on end, not leave the facility, basically stay in our hotel rooms. I'm supposed to go from practice to home to practice to home to game day to home like i'm not supposed to even really have a life right now i'm supposed to just be going home to practice into games and that's really supposed to be what my routine is and now you all want to fly all like you all want all of us from different teams that have been in different places that are in different states to all come down into atlanta where we could possibly contaminate each other or catch something while we're down in Atlanta, catch COVID while we're down in Atlanta, and now, boom, all of our all-stars in this league have COVID, and now the whole league has to shut down. To play in a game, that doesn't mean anything, by the way. What do you get out of the all-star game? Outside of money. Nothing. It has no effect on seating. It has no effect on the playoffs it has no effect on any individual's records those stats don't mean anything like the all-star game is a meaningless game why on earth would you ask these players to come and play in a meaningless game by the way why are you all even trying to pin down a date for the all-star game when we don't even have the second half of the season yet like the second half like for those of you who don't know, the NBA cut the season short. So usually there's 82 games. There's only going to be 72 games played this year. The NBA released the first half of the schedule. They haven't even finished figuring out who's going to play who, when are they going to play them, all that other stuff. The second half of the season is still up in the air. How about we try and get that figured out first? How about we figure out what's going to happen with the second half? How about we figure out what things are going to look like when we're playing with the playing games for, you know, the 8th and ninth and 10th seed guys. Like, all of that stuff is way more important than trying to play some dumb all-star game that isn't going to have any bearings on what happens this season whatsoever. And here's the really bogus thing. Players who are selected to all-star games and then decide and then decline to go or decide to not play in the all-star game or to not show up for the all-star game get fined so and this is and this is and this is what i feel like this is my message to the players all of you should boycott the all-star game all of you each and every one of you i understand some of you You'll be super happy because it'll be your first All-Star game. Like, Zach Levine has never been in an All-Star game. He's more than likely going to end up being an All-Star this year. That's great. De'Aaron Fox, another guy who's never been to the All-Star game, playing really well. He probably wasn't going to be an All-Star this year just because the West is loaded with guard talent. But he was someone who I'm sure was trying, would if you know things were normal, would be trying to make an All-Star push. You have multiple guys 
who have never been an all-star who are kind of trying to make that like who I'm sure would love to play in an all-star game. They all need to realize the all-star game is not that important. I want all of the players to sit back and say, screw it. We're not going. You're going to find all of us. And if they do, there will be hell to pay if the NBA does find all of them. Because now, so you're telling me that we are being fined because we opted out of playing a game that would have put a meaningless game. You know, not like the regular season games that actually mean something because, you know, they determine, you know, the playoffs and seeding and things like that. This one game that is in the middle of what is absolute bedlam right now um as far as covid just running rampant in atlanta you want us to go to one of the places one of the cities that is most afflicted with covid and you want us to go and play a game that has no bearings has no meaning has no significance to what's going on with the rest of the season and if we don't we're going to get fined so you're going to fine us for sitting out and not playing a game because we are concerned with our health I think that would be an extremely bad look for the NBA, and I don't think there's any way they would sit back and find all of them. Players, boycott the All-Star game this year. Nobody go. Nobody, don't even pick up the phone. I don't care if Adam Silver calls you himself and asks you how you feel about the All-Star game. Don't pick it up. If it's about the All-Star game, my answer is no. Point blank period. That's what it should be. NBA, stop being greedy, okay? You've already had to postpone and change dates and all these other things for games. You're going to have to get stuff figured out later. This All-Star game is not important. Let it go. Like I said, the NFL just had some weird situation going on with their Pro Bowl where they played the Pro Bowl, but it wasn't like wasn't a real Pro Bowl. Like you can there's so and there's so many different other avenues. Like you can do things virtually. You can have like you want the all-star game okay fine like have the all have all have everyone who was selected to be an all-star play in like a 2k tournament or something like that for that weekend like do something like that there's so many other things you could do so many other things you could do this ain't it though point blank period this ain't it where they do that at the nba apparently so adam silver i like you I've said multiple times that you are the best commissioner in the world as far as it when it comes to commissioning a sports league. Do the right thing this time. Okay? I've praised you many times. Do not give me a reason to start not liking you. Okay? Cool. Glad we're on the same page. With that being said, thank you all so much for listening. It's time for me to get out of here. This has been the Instant Replay Podcast. Again, thank you all for listening. Um, If you like this episode, tell a friend to tell a friend. Like it, share it, all that good stuff. If you didn't like this episode, just act like it didn't happen. And thank you all so much again. Um, And I guess I always leave you all with a quote. Kobe Bryant once said, no one hates the good ones. They only hate the great ones. So go out there and make some new haters, guys. I will see you all on Tuesday.